Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast. Welcome to Resilience in Life with Leadership. I'm Stephanie Olson, and I want to talk a little bit about addiction and shame today because a lot of people with addiction and whatever that addiction is have a tremendous amount of shame that goes along with that addiction. That makes sense because when we have an addiction, we typically hide that addiction because of that shame. The thing is, is that when we come out of that addiction, first of all, we have to be willing to go get help when we're in the middle of it. And that requires us to come out of that shame and talk to somebody. But when we are in the, when we come out of that addiction, still having shame to tell people that that's where you were. And I want to talk about that a little bit. I am a recovering alcoholic. Um, I have been sober for 20 years and had trauma early on in my life, really kind of affected um, how my life currently has, um, you know, how my life, the trajectory of my life, the trauma in my life early on And then later on throughout life affected the trajectory of my life. That's what I'm trying to say. And I was always looking for something, something to make me feel better, something to stop the anger, something to numb me. And that's what I was looking for. Now, I will say that I believe that I actually was predisposed to alcoholism. I think there's two kinds of alcoholics. I think there's the the people who are predisposed to alcoholism. So they've got those genetics in their family. And that's just something that absolutely happens. Um, Because you have those genetics, you're predisposed, you have that first drink and boom, and you don't even realize where it came from. Then I think there are also the alcoholics or addicts who become that way through habit. And so maybe they are drinking every night because of, you know, I look at COVID, for example, and what happened and day drinking became so typical. And what we were doing with alcohol and um, coping or whatever those those addictions were, that became a way to cope. And I think that um, a lot of times that can become habitual. So now I am an addict because this is what I have taught myself over the past 21 days or whatever. It takes like 21 days to form a habit. And so that can happen over time. So those are the two kinds of addicts that I think that I see typically. Now, I was predisposed. Now I know some things that I didn't know before, but my grandparents used to every day at four o'clock sharp have a martini. Um, not a martini. Forgive me, grandma and grandpa, a Manhattan. Now that's really important because Manhattans were yummy to me, even at the age of four. And I would go over to their Manhattan every day at four o'clock. And I would take the maraschino cherry out of the Manhattan and eat that. Now, here's the deal. There were maraschino cherries in our refrigerator. I could have had that maraschino cherry in my refrigerator at any time, but I wanted the one soaking in the Manhattan. Now, Even when I started drinking at about 16, 
um, which I really drank to feel prettier, funnier, better about myself. I wanted to fit in. But what it did for me was made me forget, made me numb to the things that I was struggling with already. And there were a lot of, lot of things going on. I always drank a little different than my friends. I remember thinking, you know, gosh, I can't wait for that next drunk next weekend. I was always looking forward to that. And so it was just different than my friends drinking seemed to be. And so it was a way of life for me. It was something that just happened all of the time or as, as often as I could um, get that alcohol. When I went to college, I started experimenting with drugs a little bit and um, not to the extent of the alcohol that was really my drug of choice, but I absolutely did experiment in, in certain things. Now, it's so interesting because when I look back today, I always say, gosh, yeah, I can see the hand of God on my life. Um, I'd become a Christian at a very young age. And so I, although I completely turned my back on, on him, I really do believe that he was with me all of the time because there were times when I would go to a party and I would see lines of Coke on the table. And I just knew that if I would have had that line, I would have been done. There was just something about it that I knew I would be done. So had some experiment with some drugs, but really stayed away from the hard stuff. But alcohol was my drug of choice. And I drank a lot. Now, when I could, when I was an adult and actually could buy my own alcohol, then it turned into something that was almost more of an everyday thing because I could go home after work and have a glass of wine. I could do those things. And and I was a very refined drinker, I will tell you. I uh, got those big jugs of Carlo Rossi so that, uh, you know, I mean, refined. That's what I'm saying. So I went through a bad abusive marriage, just like my mom. Uh, got divorced and um, by the grace of God, met and married my husband today, Eric, who is an amazing man. But I was still drinking every day. Now I would do little things that would, um, you know, because I, I never thought it was a problem. I, I really never thought I was an alcoholic. And even by the time I was daily drinking, I always thought, I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink in the morning. I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink out of a bag. I'm not an alcoholic. Whatever, whatever excuses I could come up with that, that justified, I'm not an alcoholic. Now, my husband and I, um, uh, you know, we got married and, um, we had a, uh, Try, you know, we started our family. That's a whole other story that I will talk about some, some other day. But I would drink and hide it. Shame. I knew, I guess, that drinking consistently during the day at this point, I was a stay at home mom. My little girl was, um, you know, a baby to, um, 
but the time I st- stopped drinking, she was about 18 months old. And I drank every day. Now, I finally got smart and was able to drink other things in the house other than my wine. So I could pour my first bottle of bottle of wine. I could pour my first glass of wine when my husband came home and tell him, honestly, this is my first glass of wine. Because he started to notice that the jug of Carlo Rossi was getting a little lower quickly. Now, I would tell him things like, well, I spilled it, which was inevitably true. At some point, I would have spilled it. Or I would say these things, but this is the the change in that dynamic, that shame. I wasn't telling him I'm drinking it all during the day. Now, I would start to um, modify a little bit because I thought, gosh, maybe I do have a problem. I would never have called myself an alcoholic at that time, but maybe I have a problem. And so I would do little things like, well, maybe I'll only drink when we're out. Won't drink at home, only drink when we're out. Well, I made sure we went out every day that week. Well, okay, that's not working. Maybe I'll only drink during special occasions. And then there would be a good Oprah on and by gosh, that's special occasion enough. And I realized eventually that I was trying to do things so that I would moderate my drinking, but it never worked. It never worked. Now, before this, I will also tell you that I was a two pack a day smoker. So moderation was never my thing. I'm a pretty addictive, I have a pretty addictive personality. So I'm going to say that. So two pack a day smoker, quit smoking when we got married. Don't advise that uh, bad idea. But I did quit smoking. But the drinking continued and only got worse. Now, alcoholism, addiction, all of those things are progressive diseases. So they continue to go on, even if so today, I have been sober 20 years. If I were to pick up a bottle right now and start drinking, it would be like I had never stopped. That's important to recognize with addictions. So finally, one day, I put my daughter to bed. She was a baby. And at this point, I was blacking out every single night. I don't remember putting my daughter to bed. I don't remember putting her jams on. I don't remember those things. And in fact, if I had to wake up the next morning, I would have to set my alarm early, early in the evening because I knew that by the end of the night, I wouldn't remember. Still didn't consider myself an alcoholic. By the way, blacking out is a huge sign of alcoholism. And I blacked out for the first time when I started drinking. My very first drinking experience, I blacked out. Maybe an indication. So I woke up one morning and I walked into my daughter's room and her changing table and her crib was covered in red wine. She had been sleeping in it all night long. I was horrified. Not horrified enough to quit drinking, but I was horrified. And I started to think maybe there might be an issue. Finally, after a bad drunk, and I don't even know what it was, I decided I needed to cut back. 
And so I called a 12-step program. They don't help you cut back. It's quit or nothing. And I went to my first meeting and heard a lot of differences, but I really keyed in on the similarities. That was really important. And then I thought, well, this isn't for me. And my husband suggested I go one more time, go to a place close to home. So I did, and I walked in, and it was this church, and it was on Wednesday. Now, Wednesday is traditionally church night. And uh, I thought, this is choir night. What am I doing here? And I started to walk in, and I saw three women that were just dressed to the nines, looking amazing. I was thinking, they're going to choir practice. And one of them I recognized. I had worked with her for years, adored this woman, and I was ashamed. And I walked in and they could tell that I was insecure, that I felt bad, that I was ashamed. And there was a sign at the front of the church and it said AA. And one of the women put her hand on the sign and moved it over and said, I guess that's where the meeting is. And I looked at them stunned because I couldn't believe they were going to a a meeting And uh, they looked at me and said, is this your first meeting? I said, well, my second. So went into the meeting with them with the comfort and strength of having three women supporting you, which is incredible. I, I walked out with them and they took me out for coffee. And those women supported my journey for a long time. One of them became my sponsor and it was amazing. What was so cool about that was that those women had never been to that meeting, never went since. That was a God thing. Got sober and stayed sober. It wasn't easy. It has not been easy. Um, You know, people who lose their craving, that's amazing. And that wasn't me. And uh, it's a hard thing. You know, most people relapse. It's very common. Um, By the grace of God, I have not relapsed. And I have been sober for 20 years. But I will tell you, it has been hard. Um, There have been times and even last year, I experienced a time where I drove past a bar and thought, I want to go in. And that's where your support system comes in. But in order to have a support system, you have to remove that shame. That knowing that what you're experiencing, regardless of the addiction, whether it's alcohol, whether it's uh, drugs, whether it's porn, whether it's um, food, whatever it is, you can get help. I believe that it's a disease, or if people are uncomfortable with disease, it's like an allergy. Because once that addiction hits you, that addiction is the one working in you. It's no longer you. There's a saying that, you know, while I'm sitting here in the meeting, my my addiction is out in the the parking lot doing push-ups. That's what it's like. And so we have to be alert at all times. But there is no shame in that. There is no shame in telling people that you're an addict. Now, I, I, I don't go around telling everybody. I mean, I got, I got a public platform. So, 
you know, people know, but people I just meet, I mean, the for hi, I'm Stephanie, I'm an alcoholic. I don't do that. Save that for meetings. But I'm not ashamed of it. And I will talk to people about it. You know, people, no longer do people ask me if I'm pregnant, if uh, I'm not drinking. That's kind of sad. But I have had people try and pressure me to start drinking. And I've had to say, I'm an alcoholic, I don't drink. And that usually shuts people up right away. But I'm not ashamed of it. In fact, I am proud of my journey. I am, I am proud of the fact that knowing that alcohol took over my life and I was able to overcome that, that's huge. I'm proud of that. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to tell people I'm an alcoholic. I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not ashamed to answer questions. I'm not ashamed. And that's what I want for you. You know, addiction, addiction switching is very common. And so sometimes, you know, we leave. That's why I, I drank even more after I quit smoking. And then I started drinking even more. I was still drinking, but it, it increased heavily when I quit smoking. But when I quit drinking, I knew that I needed a different coping mechanism, that I knew that I needed a new addiction because we do crave whatever that is. And so I poured that into my faith. I poured that into working out. I poured that into to things that were much healthier than alcohol. I also had a lot of sugar because sugar had, uh, alcohol has a lot of sugar in it. So you gotta, you know, you gotta cover yourself. But I wasn't ashamed. And I don't want you to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you had an addiction that tried to take you out. Be proud of the fact that you didn't let it. Don't be ashamed that you spent time hiding, whether you're hiding with food, whether you're hiding with drinks, whether you're hiding with drugs. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you spent time hiding. Be proud of the fact that you came out of hiding. You deserve to be fulfilled in a way that doesn't require numbing. And you deserve the freedom that breaking free from your addiction allows. There is nothing more freeing than not having to go smoke, not having to have a drink, not having to eat something, not having to do drugs, not having to watch porn, whatever it is, there's nothing more freeing than knowing that you don't have to do that because you have overcome. And there's nothing more amazing and, and something worth shouting from the rooftops than that. So be proud of yourself. No shame. 
And thank you for listening. That's what resilience is all about. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast.